Kelly of Evangel again at the Neon Genesis Evangelion Relaunch Podcast. My name is Mike Kelly. And I'm April and Cowett. Today we're going to be talking about episodes 8 through 10. We're back again. We're starting the uh, the uh, the action arc of Evangelion, like the first major part of uh, kind of like a, a, a breather almost in how uh, we've been approaching it. Uh, at least that was my impression of it. Uh, what did you think of these so far? Mostly, I thought that they were more, I don't, I guess a breather. They were funnier. Mm. Uh, they were definitely more lighthearted, less grim. Definitely nowhere near where it's going to be going eventually in terms of the yeah. tone. Well, we start, uh, uh, with episode eight, Asuka Strikes or Asuka Arrives in Japan. Uh, and this is our first introduction to Asuka Soryu Langley, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. Something like um, that, yeah. Something it's this weird amalgamation of German and Japanese mm-hmm. uh uh like phonemes, so I'm not quite sure if it's right. Uh but yeah, this is where uh she's the uh third child, right? Third children. I think she's if the I- second children, which is a little confusing because I think she calls Shinji third children at some point. Yeah. Maybe that's right. that's right, because she was a pilot before Shinji was. Because there's yes. some, yeah. Although uh, at, it's confusing because at one point, some of the higher ups are talking about how they haven't found the next child before we meet Asuka. So I'm not really sure. There's definitely like there's there's weird numbering going on here with regard to the children. Like I think like Eva O zero zero is Ray, who is the first child. Right. And Shinji is zero one, and he's the potentially the third child and Asuka is the second child in Evo too. So she actually works out, but yeah, uh, this is our first introduction to her and she is about as different as anyone else in this show. Um, and they immediately start, uh, just laying it on very, very thick about what Asuka is or who Asuka is, I should say. Um, so just real quick to set up like where we are in this episode, uh, the, uh, the the crew is is heading out to a uh, an aircraft carrier in the Pacific Ocean, a UN controlled aircraft carrier, which apparently is a thing, not in our world, but in mm-hmm, post second impact mm-hmm. world. They land because they're going to be taking Eva O two and the pilot to uh, Japan to Tokyo three, and the first shot we see of Asuka is uh, was actually in the previews on the previous episode. But it's her leaning over a railing, silhouetted by the sun, just blazing in the background. And it's really, it's two things. It's a stark indication that, like, uh, we've been talking about how Rey is, uh, like, uh, there's some symbolism with her in the moon. And Asuka is the sun. She is bright. Mm-hmm. She is literally fiery. She's a redhead as compared to Ray's mm-hmm. like kind of soft blue hair. Um, I mean, it's anime, but whatever. Yeah. The, what, what do you call someone blue, with blue hair? They're not a brunette. Are they a blue bluette? Brunette. A brunette. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, I, I just kind of, yeah, I'm not sure. I think just, I don't know, really into anime, maybe? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we do see that Ray's not on this trip, to be clear. But um, we do have uh, the introduction with Ray. Uh, excuse me, with with Asuka. This first scene with uh, Toji and Kensuke, who are there for some reason. For some uh, reason. 
know why they're taking two of these kids on a very highly sensitive mission. I don't. Well, I thought about it after the fact. I mean, the Evos are public knowledge. They're yeah, they're not sensitive in themselves. So, I guess if they're gonna go on a trip, this is probably the least terrible one for them to go on. Well, I guess in theory, but, like, why, but but why take them at all? I guess like yeah, I don't know. I mean, there is some stuff later on that like you know maybe Nerve has their eyes on Shinji's friends and all this kind of stuff, but I think actually, plot actually device. before this plot devices hmm? is probably the reason. Yeah. I, the, <laughs> again, this is very comedic, and they are like to some degree part of the comedic, uh, the comic relief of this mm-hmm. whole cast. When we first encounter Asuka, she is standing just like, like in a power pose, arms crossed, like a yellow, uh, yellow dress, uh, kind of fluttering in the breeze, and just like immediately asserting her dominance, like taking up the entire screen and you immediately begin to understand who Asuka is mm-hmm. like uh, where Shinji is introverted and Ray is just kind of like even more. So uh, Asuka is going to be like, Hey, I'm going to be in your face constantly at all times. Oh my goodness. Yes. We're going to get a little bit more into her particular picadillos as we go through these. Cause these first three episodes are really about her. Um, and you know, she's a new character. So uh, this is going to be, like her her debut for lack of a better term <laughs> she's coming out at the ball so to speak yes the next thing that we learn about asuka really is that she uses her sexuality to assert her dominance that yeah. power that we see um in her second line of dialogue is that she's filling out in all the ni- right places is as she tells Misato yeah. uh, after saying hello, but she uses it as power. She doesn't want, she doesn't acknowledge the attention except in a negative mm. way. Yeah. You know, the first thing that she does is we see her grinding. What's his face. Uh, Kensuke's hat into the ground that he's been letting that he's been chasing after in the wind Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was Toji's hat, and that was his. Oh, Toji's he made hat. A com- he made a comment that, like, yeah, he wore his hat to look cool for the girls. <laughs> for Misato, like, particularly, I think. I'm like, I guess maybe <laughs> mid '90s something, but come on, dude. Yeah, yeah, I think he, I think he might have specifically bought the hat to look cool for Misato, is what he says. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, even so, like- which is even better, um, <laughs> because she's like twice his age. Yeah, so he's chasing after a hat. Asuka grinds it into the floor, and then he gets this nice view up her skirt, which she then slaps him for. Yeah. Saying that something about the price of admission and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And this, th- this, this is, is a recurring theme for her, is that she flaunts the fact that she is, as she says, filling out mm. um, to get men to notice her boys to notice her mm-hmm. but doesn't actually want them to notice her she, it's not that she's interested in i mean i'm certain she's interested in boys but like not not in this sense like she's using that as a tool to assert dominance as go. opposed to pursue anything yes my my nap that i took right before this is showing 
<laughs> I probably should have had some coffee first. Oh, it's all right. Well, nothing gets the blood moving like talking about uh, uh, Evangelion. Giant fighting robots. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing about uh, that Asuka that really like jumps out of it is that, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, the other ways that she does it, but again, she is the first... If I'm not mistaken, um, and you know, I'm, I've missed something, but like, she is the first real, like, overtly sexualized character. Well, I think I think she's the first one for yeah. that initial impression we get of Masato with that pinup photo that she. Gives oh, sure, to that's right, Shinji. And so it's interesting in this episode that Masato is actually being very professional comparatively mm-hmm. uh, to the point where Shinji notices it. And Asuka is the one who is being in your face with her sexuality. Yeah. But I mean, Misato for a while has been, she's certainly, you know, a sexual being. She definitely like talks with Ritsuko about uh, some of the stuff going on in these episodes. But for the past couple of episodes, she's been very much like an, a commander at nerve. Mm-hmm. Like she's been very... She's on. She's like all business when there's business to be done. Mm-hmm. And Asuka is just more chaotic than that. She's un- unrestrained in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Asuka is the first person we see actually straight up wearing a dress in this entire uh, series so far. I could be mistaken on that. Or first major character, anyway. Certainly a casual dress. Yeah. Um, I think that some of the uniforms might have skirts. Could be. But she's certainly the first person we see wearing a casual dress, yes. Yeah. Casual and non-utilitarian in a lot of ways. Correct. That, like, nervous, you know, military, very antiseptic kind of stuff. No, I think Ray wears a dress at school. Oh, true. But that's that's more uniform. Right. That's, uh, yeah, like, there's definitely that, that uh, Japanese schoolgirl uniform trope of anime uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I can't even think there was another. Mm. But regardless, I mean, it, that just goes to show you uh, like who Asuka is very much in this first moment. Even when she's on the bridge of the ship and they're talking about the Evangelion, she's still in her dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually she does become all business, you know, when it comes to, well, maybe not all business is, is probably not a good way to put it. But uh, she does become more focused when it comes to uh, to battle time. Really, with the addition of her, we have now three children. Uh, and they all have very different attitudes towards attention getting. Um, mm-hmm. So Asuka, obviously the most extroverted of those, she wants everyone's attention, specifically yep. male attention, but she wants everyone to pay attention to her. She wants yeah. everyone to know that she is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got Shinji, who doesn't seem to know whether he wants people to pay attention, anyone to pay attention to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Ray, who specifically wants one person to pay attention to her, being Gendo. It's very interesting watching the three of them in contrast with one another, how they interact with the adults and children around them. Yeah, Asuka is, or like, uh, she wants to be in the front of everyone's mind, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of who they are, um, and regardless of uh, what she thinks of them. Like, she will even, like, you know, people she doesn't like, she wants to be in front of mind for them. Uh, Shinji just kind of wants to be a piece of wallpaper. It seems sometimes uh, fade back into the scenery. Ray is more. I mean, I kind of viewed. Uh, it, it, it's almost impossible to talk about 
Asuka and Rey, uh, you know, without the other, Mm -hmm. because they are such interesting, like, mirror images of each other, you know, both visually, but, like, Mm -hmm. uh, Asuka is an extrovert, like, you know, straight up, like, that's how she goes out and, you know, uh, how she, her mode of being is. Rey is a very extreme introvert, Mm -hmm. Um, like, to the point where she doesn't, you know, she doesn't care too much about it. Shinji is certainly introverted to a lot of ways, but he's he almost yearns to be a little bit more we'll see this in uh, the next episode like he admires parts of oscar mm-hmm. whereas ray does not give a shit about who oscar is right yeah and we'll see more of the contrast in the next episode between oscar and ray when they're more face to face with one another there is another character here um that is introduced as the final the final uh, major character, more or less, of the series, and that is uh, Kaji, mm-hmm. who just kind of strides into the picture. I have some real conflicting feelings about Kaji. <laughs> I think that the you're supposed to. I mean, the first image you get of him is like, well, the first way you realize who he is is like how Masato reacts to him. <laughs> that reaction is priceless. Oh, it's so good. Like the, the, the comedy that's used in these episodes is so goddamn good. Um, but yeah, she immediately just like eyes wide, like, uh, uh, uh like, you know, very much the last person she, she expected to see and wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And then that scene at the, uh, I guess the mess hall dining table, uh, where they're kind of like this weird, <laughs> like back and forth, repartee and uh like feeling each other out it's so weird i don't know Um, is it weird what's weird about it it's weird at least for me because i i I, you have this image of misato is pretty well put together like she's got her certain like she'll lash out like certainly um she'll lose her cool are we talking about the same misato who goes home and gets drunk every night and eats only take fast or instant food yeah, uh, but the thing is, she's comfortable with that. Like, she's very much like, yeah, this is what I do. This is how I unwind. Like, here it's like she's all business, and now here is, like, a, a variable that she was not expecting mm-hmm. and, like, is actually confusing her a bit. Right, okay. Um, we should probably mention, if we haven't at this time, that it's it's mentioned that, you know, Masato and Kaji used to be a couple. And they had broken up a while back for reasons as yet undisclosed. Well, and that's what we find out in that exact scene that you're referencing right now, where he makes reference to her sleeping patterns and everyone at the table, with the exception of Shinji, is completely shocked in that way that anime care only anime characters can be shocked. (laughs) Yeah. There's a a quick scene before that where uh, Asuka clearly is showing that she has a, a... Weird, like, crush on Kaji, uh, a guy way older than her, and Kaji being very, like, yeah, yep, okay, sure. <laughs> um, and, of course, Toji and Kensuke have just been hopelessly uh, in love with Misato for quite some time. But Shinji, like, like as you point out, he he's the only one that doesn't do that weird anime, like, bug-eyed stare, <laughs> like, oh my god. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. Like... Again, weirdly, Shinji is one of the more mature ones at this table. I think, I think he's just entertained <laughs> by something oh, sure. that finally is is somebody else that is able to knock Misato down a peg and sees her <laughs> as he sees her. 
Yeah, totally. Like, and that was actually what the previous episode closed on. Like, he sees her who she is. Mm-hmm. And now he's met someone else who's like, oh, Kaji knows who she is. He's, he's, <laughs> he slept with her, quite literally. Yeah, that's the whole thing that's going on with these episodes. Or this, well, these episodes, but this episode in particular, um, there's the tone of these are mm-hmm. is just so different. Mm-hmm. Like it, like we'd had this like very deep psychological study on Shinji for the first four episodes. Then we had uh, a lot about uh, Ray and her approaches to the world and all the kind of stuff. Now we see Asuka, and although we do get some pretty clear insight into like who Asuka is. These seem like episodes that were, that are like traditional giant mech anime, mm-hmm. um, uh, shows like the, the reveal of Evangelion unit. Oh, two, uh, not when they take, uh, when Asuka takes them under the tarp, but like when it's revealed in its full majesty, when it leaps out of that mm-hmm. and like, like grabs the tarp and wraps it around itself, like a, like a swordsman or like, <laughs> and then just kind of poses. Yeah, that and, like, was a little ridiculous. <laughs> but it's like, this is Gundam. Like, this is not, right. like, this is not Evangelion. Like, compare that to how EvaUnit uh, 01 was revealed. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird-looking, grotesque thing, like, purple and mottly, and, like, Unit 02 just looks fucking cool. Like, mm-hmm. Well, and it's it fitting for Asuka, because Asuka is all about the flash and yeah. the flare and... Her vanity, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, but it fits her to a T. She wants the shine. If she had a sports car, it would be a red Mustang. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she has a car and it is red. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it just and happens it to be robot shaped. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Again, like it's not what you expect from like from the previous tone that these episodes mm-hmm. said. It is a nice relief. Like it is a nice like a, like a good fuck yeah moment mm-hmm. uh, when like all right, we're gonna see some old school like you know. Uh, robots fighting monsters kind of shit going on here. I mean, it does by the end of the episode kind of degrade back, not degrade, that's the wrong word, but it does... Revert. Um, hmm? Revert. Revert. That's, thank you. Um, it does revert uh, to uh, some of the, like, the stresses that are uh, mm-hmm. that are part of piloting an Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Um, without getting too much into the plot details, um, but, you know, they're fighting a giant thing underwater. There is a moment, and this is also revealing of this is very revealing of Asuka. Mm-hmm. She is all like, "Yeah, let's just go do it. Let's go kick some ass. Like I know exactly what I need to do." And then she's pulled underwater, and she has no idea what to do, mm-hmm. and she can't improvise. She right. is very much like, I-, "I know the plan. This isn't going according to plan." And like Shinji is the one who kind of steps up. He literally grabs the controls out of her hand, mm-hmm. and he's like, "All right, like this is how we're going to do it." And she lashes and- out at him. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Not first she lashes out at him for not having a backup plan. Yeah. And then when he has a backup plan and starts to implement it, she lashes out at him for manhandling her Eva. Yeah. I, I kind of get the sense of Asuka over the course of these episodes is like, like what she's yelling at Shinji about is what she's angry about in herself. Mm-hmm. That she didn't have a backup plan. Right. That she can't control the uh, Evangelion. Oh, and that's absolutely true. It's the fact that he is injuring her pride by yeah. showing her where her flaws are. Yeah, absolutely. I feel she hasn't been exposed to... Uh, this is a weird thing, but like, uh, there was a, someone I knew in high school who was you know, a great uh, musician and singer. 
Um, and he was like top of the class, like he was kind of admired. And then he went on to a uh, went to Juilliard, mm-hmm. and he dropped out within uh, a semester or two mm-hmm. because he, he wasn't receiving the praise he had been accustomed to. Right. And and that reminds me a little bit of Asuka. Mm-hmm. She's never had to deal with this before, and now that it's up to this, it's the one moment that I did like at the end of it though was. Um, she eventually like finally swallows her pride, grabs it with Shinji, and they both start chanting in unison. <laughs> and like like you know like they're like, "Come on, come on, come!" On. I forgot exactly what they're saying, but or open, open, because they're oh, trying to yes. pry the, yeah, pry the yeah. jaws open to this this monster. And like at that point, like all the synchronization levels go off the charts, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Okay, yeah, they're in sync. They are absolutely in sync." Oh, I was okay. I missed that, and then I was confused about the end of the episode when Mitsuko mm. is gaga over the data that came out of that and that's what it's from so okay they're all about that synchronization ratio um but yeah when they're both of one mind and they got into one mind very very tightly uh they could do great things i had to laugh at the moment where they first get into asuka's eva unit and she's you know talking going through all the stuff the setup and they can't synchronize because Shinji is thinking in Japanese. And she says, think in German. He yeah. doesn't know German. He knows yeah, exactly he's... one word in German. And it's only because it's a German cake that also exists in Japan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I... <laughs> Again, Asuka's like, conform to me. And Shinji's like, Shinji, of course, doesn't stand up for himself saying, like, no, I don't know German. He's like, okay, uh. I remember when I first watched it, the word he actually used at that point was strudel. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> like they are, like, of a kind, even though they are kind of night and day-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at least by the end of it. Uh, and by the end of it, like, Asuka comes to uh, to be at Shinji's school, so they're going to have to deal with each other for quite some time. Oh, and so are the rest of us. Yeah. I didn't dislike Asuka as much as I remembered, but I still, I mean, she's a pretty great in character, and I hope that she gets less so as mm-hmm. the show progresses, because these first three episodes, man, I just want to punch her smug little face. Yeah. And uh, maybe just shake her up a little bit. Say, you are being an annoying little brat. No, absolutely. <laughs> I remember seeing it at the time, uh, and it was... She's very clearly, like, the the love interest, for lack of a better term. Like, she's, you know, uh, she's the classic, uh, uh, what's the, what's the anime term? Sundera? Um, oh, I don't know. I just watch it, man. Yeah, no, no, totally. Uh, it, but it's that, it's that character, character arc, archetype who runs very hot and very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I remember just, like, God, she's just annoying. Like, I can't stand this person. Like, watching it now, I'm like, I can kind of see what she's doing. Like, I can see, like, she's still annoying, don't get me wrong, but, um, <laughs> like, I see the, the, the logic behind what she's doing. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it makes sense. You can definitely see why she's acting the way she is, but it still makes me want to slap her. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I I have some, some very good friends. I know exactly why they are what they, what they are and how they are, and sometimes I just need to get away from them. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, like as these two are kind of one mind, that kind of feeds directly into the theme of the next show, or the next episode, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, episode nine, which is uh, 
both of you dance like you want to win or mind matching moment, which is a very strong disparity between the the tones of the English and the Japanese there. Yes. And you were talking about this episode uh, last week, looking forward to it uh, specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where we, we start talking a little bit more about... Um, now we're beginning to see like how Asuka gets a little bit more, more integrated into the group and how how she reacts when put into a situation that is where she's not where she's off guard, where mm-hmm. she's not at her best, where she hasn't trained for. Right. The one thing that I know uh, that I, you know, it's kind of made very, very uh, stark in the beginning. We already talked about a little bit was the, the difference between Oscar and Ray mm-hmm. and like, you know, obviously the visual differences and all that kind of stuff, but they confront each other sort of at the beginning of this episode, Oscar is kind of, striding there's no other way to put it like through (laughs) uh tokyo three through a sea Um, of male admirers yeah and um, treading on their love letters (laughs) like literally Literally. grinding them underneath her heel yeah which that actually okay i i kind of want to talk about that because it, it it confused me okay and i'm like like i i understand the idea that she's um you know, she just wants the attention, but she doesn't want the, the like, the confessions of love or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. Grinding all of those up beneath her heel just seems dickish. It, it seems like it would be more in character for her to ignore it, but why is she actually actively angry at them? Well, so we also see, I mean, she does that to Shinji earlier, too. Well, she, first she mm-hmm. does it with Toji's hat, um, and then there's another moment where she, you know, goes down into a stairwell to change into her plug suit, and Jinji mm. looks over the banister to see, I don't know if he's actually spying on her or just wanted to see what she was doing, and she gets really angry about how boys are immature and they're always horny and mm. and gets really upset about it. And so it's the same thing. It's the same continuation of anger over teenage boy hormones. It is very... It is very confusing. There's something going on with her that I'm not quite sure I understand. But yeah. she definitely has that level of both craving for and disdain for male attention. Yeah, I just wasn't sure why the disdain... Because that is an angry act, grinding it under your heel. And I'm wondering what she was angry at. But th- that might be something we learn about Asuka mm-hmm. uh, going forward. Uh, why specifically? There's also a great when she's striding through the uh, through Tokyo Three. She's like, you get these uh, uh, these images of uh, her amongst the her female classmates, and Asuka is kind of smiling and laughing with them. And then there's a there's a shot where she just kind of walks by. Uh, she like finishes up talking with some some girls and walks away from them, and those girls like immediately start staring daggers at the back of her her head. They're like, they are actually annoyed by her as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just like rivalry. Oh, or if that's... yeah, that's, I mean, that is, all the attention is focused on her. All the mm. boys in the class want, you know, illicit pictures of her and want yeah. her to pay attention to them. That is definitely the way that teenage girls get Oh, absolutely. But I mean, it feeds into the Oscar thing is like her outward appearance, especially with the girls, is a facade. And even with those girls, her relationships are fa- is a facade. Mm-hmm. I have lots of friends as a, po- like as, a, as a point for them as opposed to something they want. Right. 
Yeah, there's definitely um, no real connection being made. And I think that's a lot of the crux of it is that Asuka isn't interested in making real connections with anybody. She no. wants the illusion and the attention, but doesn't want the actual vulnerability yeah. that comes along with going any further than that. She is armored in a lot of ways. Like Shinji is as well, but Shinji is very passive. He tries to dodge it, mm-hmm. whereas Asuka is very much like putting up a putting up a shield in front of her uh, as to like this is who I am. I am good. I am great. And how dare you say anything you know less of me? Yeah. If if Shinji is the hedgehog who is unintentionally injuring people when he gets close, mm-hmm. she is the one who's actually actively throwing spikes mm-hmm. at anybody who gets too close. Which makes actually the the interaction with Ray all the more interesting. Mm. She comes across Ray, who is just kind of minding her own business, reading on a on a bench uh, in the park, and Asuka like notices her, and she's like, "I mean, I think understandably, is like, okay, that's the other Evangelion pilot. I want to get to know this person." She was intentionally looking for her earlier in the episode. Yeah. She says, "You know, Shinji, we need. To, I need. I need to meet the other Eva pilot." These are the first people who like are somewhat on her level, level or how she, or so she thinks. And Shinji has has disappointed her apparently. <laughs> um, so let's see who this Ray person is. And again, this this clear imagery. Asuka gets up on like a like a, a planter or something like that. I think it's the um, stairs, the school stairs. So the hand, the mm. stone hand railing. Yes. Yes. She's like with a with a whole like throng behind her, like <laughs> her admirers like she's a, are all gathered. Like, her, like she's Cleopatra or something. Like I don't even know what the her, right her analogy groupies. is. Of uh, yeah, her groupies. But yeah, like but then starts like literally blocking the sun again. This imagery of Oscar <laughs> is the sun. She controls the the light, um, and starts blocking it out. And Ray. I, I this is like one of those few moments I just belly laugh. <laughs> She's just like no reaction except to move to where the light is. <laughs> and like just doesn't even She's not annoyed by it. No. She's not like She doesn't even acknowledge angry. where the interruption is coming from. Her logic is, oh, something's blocking my light. I better find more light. <laughs> exactly. And it's just so ruthlessly practical. I'm just like dying laughing cuz he could not get a better Someone who wants to be noticed and someone who is just utterly oblivious to anything that doesn't concern them. Yeah. And of course, um, it infuriates Asuka. Oh, absolutely. She she does that power play of like, uh, I, I forget what the exact line is again, but I want to be your friend. Or I think we I think it would be good for you if we were friends or something, something like that. And and Ray just comes back and my second like belly laugh line is like, I'll be friends with you if I'm ordered to be. Yeah. I So first she asks, uh, she says, you know, Let's be friends. And Ray says, why? <laughs> and Asuka says, because I think it would be better for everybody involved that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, better for everyone involved, but really just better for me. Yeah, um, yeah. Because she doesn't know anything about Ray. <laughs> I, I, I love that moment just because it was very, like, this is how it's going to be. And they clash, sort of, uh, throughout the rest of these episodes. But, but Ray is not a rival to Asuka. Asuka wants her to be, mm-hmm. I think. She's like, ah, I did better than you. I did better than you. And Ray's just like, utterly stone-faced. She's like, like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <yeah. laughs> I don't care. She's like, what does that have to do with anything? I, 
a, a, a good friend of mine, a friend of mine here in Brooklyn, he says there's two types of people in the world. People who are fans of Asuka and people who are fans of Rey. I already knew it, but I am so incredibly a fan of Rey in this because, like, there's a confidence, utter confidence to that that is very endearing as opposed to Asuka's kind of, like, very flimsy, like, bravado. I'm not saying there are, you, there are reasons, to, there aren't reasons to like Asuka. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a, in a show filled with people moping around, like, yes, yeah, she's a breath of fresh air, but. It's funny. I don't, at this point, I don't think I really like either one of them. Really? I think Asuka runs way too hot for me and Ray went, runs way too cold. I just, I find her completely inscrutable mm-hmm. and her lack of emotion or care. I don't get it. I understand Asuka more than I understand Ray. Well, I mean, Ray is a cipher by her very nature. Yeah, uh, yeah. Asuka is kind of transparent mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. I, I mean, like when I say I like Ray, that doesn't mean I want to like hang out with her because it would be very boring. I think this dynamic is so strange, and it's like it's both like this show in a lot of ways is about uh, dealing with your own inner demons in in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and Asuka's is very much like externalizing where Ray, Ray and Shinji to some degree are internalizing it. Right. We get to see that on full display here. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about um, Asuka's pride a little bit more and mm-hmm. how it is injured by this um, new challenge that they're up against yeah. that she causes somehow. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's her own. We're not, well, well we're not, not really sure. I'm not really sure anybody could have known that the angel was going to split in two. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to set it up, like it, it's an angel. They just like, all right, let's get this thing before it reaches the city. Um, they have a plan. Oscar's like, fuck that lunges in slices the thing in two. And then it turns into two angels. And basically, then they're kind of dressed down uh, at nerve, like, like, okay, you fucked up here. We get to see this and of course, glorious image of both Eva units, head down, legs sticking mm-hmm. straight up in two different holes on two different yeah. sides of Tokyo 3. Command calls it appalling. <laughs> yes. Which is the same word that Ritsuke uses at the end of the episode when they start bickering oh, again. Yeah. But um, it is just hilarious. I, I mean, it's intended to be, it's like, yeah, you think you're both hot shit. You just got your asses handed to you. I mean, uh, juxtapose this also with uh, uh, the JA unit and the other uh, organizations that are competing with Nerve. Mm-hmm. You can't show weakness in front of the other mechs. We have to show that we have this in hand, and you clearly show that we don't. Uh, the character actually, like, so Gendo's away at this point. Um, I forget if they said where he was. Um mm-hmm. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, he's he's dealing with some kind of business. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the second in command, who I he's actually not named in this episode or any of these episodes. But I did look him up because he is going to be a pretty high up secondary character mm-hmm. here. Uh, his name's uh, Kozo Fuyutsuki, I think. Fuy- okay. Yeah, I'm going to butcher that. So let's go, Kozo. <laughs> okay. He kind of gives off like like you know I'm I'm too old for this shit kind of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He's like oh, well, I have to deal with children. I'm a military man. This is not what I signed up for. And he's like, all right, get your shit together. 
like you know dresses them down a lot and uh yeah we do have asuka again she caused this problem but her pride won't let her admit that she caused this problem. Well, not only that, but she accuses Shinji of causing the problem when, as far as we've seen, mm. he had nothing to do with it. Maybe something happened in the intervening time that we don't see off off screen. You know, as as far as we have knowledge, he did nothing to cause this. Yeah, I I, I mean he. Uh, was it Asuka had like a spear of some kind and, and Shinji just had a, an assault rifle. Uh, she goes in and cuts the thing in half. Like there's not really much Shinji could have done to fuck it up. Um, right. It's when she split it in two that we see her fucking it up actively. Right. But of course she externalizes like, you know, this fuck up that was mine. It's not actually mine. It's his um, because he didn't stop me. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. God, it is so... I, I, again, like with with Oscar, it's just you're transparent. You're so transparent, and like the the thing that kind of gets me is like you know uh, her pride or her bravado is like there's a scene later on where Shinji is like uh, uh, so I mean they have to go through this whole training regimen to beat the 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 angel, and she finally commits herself to doing it and. Uh, Shinji's smiling at her as she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buckle down and I'm gonna do this. Like, you know, I have to be the best." And he's actually kind of like admiring of her, and I just wanted to grab him and shake him and like, "Dude, this is not bravery. This is not confidence. <laughs> like, what? Don't use this as an example." And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if that's why he's smiling at her, but uh, I mean, the moments leading up to that, he was certainly very frustrated <laughs> um mm-hmm. so there's the moment where she um the two of them are doing this they're trying to do this simultaneous training and they basically mm-hmm. got what's like a large twister mat that they're trying to follow a rhythmic pattern to yeah. i don't really know what's going on some japanese game that i don't know about well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a mix of, like, Twister and DDR right, or something, something like that. something like that. Yeah. Um, and so they're trying to do this in perfect unison, and it is going really poorly. Finally, they ask Asuka after she blows up at Shinji, well, you know, are you just going to give up? And she says, oh, well, there's no one else who could do it, is there? And she gets all smug, mm. like, it doesn't matter if I'm screwing it up, because I'm still the best, because there's no one else that could do it. And Misato says, oh, well, actually, hey, Ray, why don't yeah. you give it a try? And Ray and Shinji do it perfectly. And Misato yeah. says, oh, well, you know, maybe we should just let Ray do it. And she, there's no apparent, there's no sarcasm in her voice. She means it, or at least... You know, and says mm. it convincingly enough to convince Asuka that, and Asuka is just, she's not even angry at that point. She is beyond herself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. then gets angry and storms off, tries to slam the door, but can't because it's a Japanese yeah. pocket door. So it just bounces yeah, it just back, right uh, which is hilarious. Um, and that, and then class rep gets angry at Shinji um, for not chasing after her. Um, and that's yeah. the point at which Asuka, you know, steals herself and says, I'm going to get back at them for injuring my pride. Like, mm. they didn't do anything other than challenge you to do better and not give up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think to some degree, like, Misato's teasing of Asuka was deliberate because... Oh, for it, sure. At the, at, 
at that first meeting, like you can tell Masato, she, she knows Asuka, like she has her number. She knows exactly what she is. Oh yeah. She definitely does it intentionally because she knows that Asuka mm. will fall for the bait. Oh, absolutely. And, and she does, uh, she goes off, she blows off some steam, but comes back and like, does it in the end. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Asuka's main source of pride is piloting that Evangelion. Like, mm-hmm. it, that is what she wants to do. That's what she knows she's good at. Uh, and it's in that, that thing where she kind of bursts out. She has her first moment of, like, actual honesty, mm-hmm. where she's like, and she's almost echoing Ray when she says, like, piloting the Evangelion is all I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a moment where we realize all three of these children, in that sense, are very similar, in that yeah. they don't really have anything else outside of being EVA pilots. Yeah. And for different reasons. Like, well, maybe maybe Ray and Shinji kind of have the same reason, but um, Shinji is doing it to kind of, and Ray is doing it to kind of please Gendo. But there's actually a telling thing in that briefing where they're, they're going over how they, you know, how they fucked up. Uh, Kozo says to, says to the kids, he's like, do you know what your goal mm-hmm. is here? And Asuka immediately replies like, yeah, it's to pilot the Evangelion. And he's like, no, it's to defeat the angels. This is why we're here. Right. Yeah, you're again missing the point, the, Asuka. Yeah, you're you're just looking at yourself, mm-hmm. and the more I talk about it, the more I really begin to dislike. Asuka. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about something else that you'll have a lot of fun with, uh, which mm-hmm. is the notion of masculinity that we see in this episode. Yeah, I mean, th- this is kind of shot through in the in the earlier episodes as well. Um, like the amount, the number of times I really should like just start like a an Evangelion drinking game. That's like you know every time t- <laughs> someone tells Shinji to be a man. Oh my goodness, man up! Yeah, man or up. Or uses and, like, very masculine language. Uh, and I I would like to go back at some point and see how much this it was translated accurately when Asuka mm. says we're gonna go balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely like a, an English idiom, certainly. Uh, but maybe it was a choice by the mm-hmm. the translators because of that, right? So being a man is something that like Gendo impresses on Shinji's like, which basically means like live up to your responsibilities, mm-hmm. which is entering the Evangelion and piloting the Evangelion. Granted, that's a little bit perverse because like Gendo wants him in there for, he, he's not trying to help his son for his son's sake. He's trying for his son to help him out mm-hmm. by piloting the Evangelion. Right. Misato also says like, you know, to Shinji in one of their early conversations, like, you know, you got to stand up for yourself and be a man. But this just goes into overdrive with Asuka. Um, she just, like, she has a certain conception of what, you know, a, a quote-unquote normal gender role is and mm-hmm. a normal gender dynamic is. Much as she defies it in her own way, like, she wants, um, she uses it almost as a cudgel to be like, uh, yeah, you need to be a man and, and, like, you know, stand up for me or protect me or... or Mm-hmm. Um, the class rep even says it at one point after Oscar runs out crying, uh, the class rep turns to Shinji and's like, you have to go after her, like, uh, st- be a man and go after her. You just made a girl cry, which is hilarious because he didn't do anything. He did nothing. He did not but- intentionally provoke her at all. It was entirely Masato and Ray. I mean, and Ray inadvertently like right. for that matter, yeah. like, it's, but it's all like the weight and the responsibility goes to Shinji's shoulders. Cause he is one of the only. He's the only male Evangelion pilot. Like, he's the only one that has to do that. And he is very sensitive. He is not, like, in a lot of ways, he doesn't conform to normal gender roles. Like, he is, like, 
quiet, introspective. He's not this big, brash, like, hero that plays by his own rules. He is a 14-year-old kid uh, with raging hormones and, like, a lot of confusion at the world he finds himself in. Yeah, raging hormones he doesn't understand. Totally. He he is not outwardly projecting that in the way that his classmates are. He's internalizing it. Like, he's turning that inwardly. Um, and, and turning that into self-loathing in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't control myself. I can't, you know, like, and again, I've been Shinji. I've been a 14-year-old boy. Maybe I haven't been Shinji. But, <laughs> I, I, like, I understand that. Like, you know, you're getting all these differing conceptions of, different people have different conceptions of what it is to be a man mm-hmm. and what it is to be masculine. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've gone through a lot of that myself, and it's, it's, so incredibly confusing like even for me a guy in my 30s now it's still somewhat confusing right and for a 14 year old it's damn near impossible to keep straight right there's a lot of imagery in this in this show about and you know uh, well not imagery that's the wrong term but like a lot of situations set up like nerve is like a lot is there's a lot of women running things yes ritsuko and misato are in charge Mm -hmm. like they are shown in like somewhat traditionally or uh traditional masculine roles yes but they are women. Like they are, they are fully. Their roles are like what they want them to be. Yes, I know what you're trying to say. I don't yeah. think I'd really word it any better than that. But they, they are their <laughs> own people. They are not simply mm. trying to be men. Yeah, uh, they are powerful women, and they maintain yeah. their femininity while also being powerful, in charge, and commanding. And, like, uh, we know that uh, Misato is comfortable with two different modes of being. Like, you know, the sloppy uh, drunk at home <laughs> and the large and in-charge person at work. Like, she's comfortable with both. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it, I mean, to some degree, it's maybe a function of maturity, you know. And, you know, as we, as we learn later on, like, you know, these uh, Ritsuko, Kaji, and Misato have memories of the second impact, which right. was a, a pretty scarring event. Um, so they're kind of tempered by fire there a little bit Mm -hmm. but even so while we're talking about men should we talk about the other the other man that appears in these episodes (laughs) uh yeah kensuke is no no um (laughs) that's definitely who i meant yeah uh kaji is is kaji as as you say he is he is he's very kaji um yeah so he appears in the previous episode and mm-hmm. immediately, much of the same way that Asuka throws chaos into the structure, um, the interpersonal relationships here, Kaji also does. Somewhat intentionally. Um, yeah, very deliberately. You know, he, very yes. deliberately, he is not surprised by Masato's mm-hmm. reaction to him. He is not offended by Masato's reaction. If nothing else, he's amused by Masato's reaction yeah. to his appearance fully takes advantage of the fact that she clearly is not uh, as as over him as she convinces herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he toys with that. And I, yeah. it makes him a very... Um, it makes him uh, difficult to like sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, we... Some of his motives are very inscrutable. Yes. Like, we, we found out in the first episode he's working for, for Gendo. And... Gendo is about as cryptic as they get, and you know Kaji is keeping his his true things close to the chest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's this added layer of like, is he actually flirting with Masato, or does this serve a purpose? Right? Is he just another one of Gendo's puppets right now? 
Yeah. Um, and I and think that probably both. He definitely strikes me as like a like an almost like a James Bondish figure, mm-hmm. um, except uh, but, scruffier with, and with a ponytail. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the ponytail is a choice, certainly. Um, but also like a little less in control of his own destiny. I mean, he's very much subordinate to Gendo. Like, he's very much, like, he's playing a role as opposed to playing the leading man. Right. But it's, like, given that backdrop, it's impossible to know if, like, what he's doing with Miss Sato, he's not, he's not showing his own cards. Mm-hmm. He's just very deliberately poking at hers. He's like, hey, remember me? Miss me? And he doesn't reveal whether or not he's interested in Misato for his own sake or if it's part of what he's doing broadly with Gendo's stuff. There, there was a, I think, a moment in this episode where they're uh, in an elevator together, and they're just basically going at it, like making out. You know, on its surface, it looks very kind of like you know, oh, okay, yeah, that's what this is gonna be. But you realize that, or or I realize at least, Misato is carrying top secret documents, mm-hmm. and Kaji very deliberately at the end hands one back to her, mm-hmm. and I'm like, did he see a look at that? Is that what he was trying to get at? And Hmm. I didn't make that connection, but that's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's if uh, he did or he didn't, but it's certainly there's an air of like the sinister around him. Maybe that's part of his attractiveness. I don't know. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> there's also that he is an arrogant ass. Yeah. Um, you know that that scene in the elevator. It's not entirely against Masato's will. But she definitely mm. isn't 100% on board with this scenario. And yeah. that comment of her saying, you know, don't do that. We're not together anymore. And he says, well, your lips weren't saying no. Which should I trust, yes. your lips or your words? And actually, my God. housemate who was in the room with me, who hasn't watched the show ever, went, ugh. And yeah, no. was like, that guy is gross. You know, I, I was not quite as off put by it because I know Misato a little bit having seen more of the episodes, mm. I'm like, mm, yeah, she she could have, you know, gotten out of that if she really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. She she very clearly could have just basically put him in a, an arm bar or something like that. She seems like... Yeah, she seems she capable enough that. that she could have restrained him if necessary. Kaji's a little bit problematic in as much as, like, he's kind of the old school, uh, like the John Wayne school of... Um, uh, how you interact with women, mm-hmm. which is basically without consent. Um, like there's a there's a scene earlier where he just like pulls up beside behind Ritsuko and just kind of embraces her and is like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> and I'm, I just wrote down in my notes, I'm like, "Oh, well, Kaji's a uh, sexual harassment guy." Um, uh, I kind of took that as they have history as a group. Because she clearly, mm. once she realized who it was, was yeah. not at all offended by this uh, and played oh, along totally, with it. And totally. that's the whole scene. <laughs> um, you know, at first I wondered, you know, is there a history with them that, or, or are they just playing right now? Is this just friendly flirtation or what's going on exactly? And then her comment, I wouldn't do that. There's an angry old or mean old woman looking at us and then you see Misato just glaring daggers at the both of them Mm -hmm. from the window in the room (laughs) like i can very easily see that they were just like peas in a pod like back in the early days kind of thing. yeah and it's kind of an endearing scene because you can see like okay there's like a history of friendship here i don't think Misato's really 
like if she were being honest with herself, I think she's more angry at herself than she is with with Kaji. Like sh- she's angry at him mm. too because he's being an ass. <laughs> oh sure, he, he's he's poking at her. He's poking the bear. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But again, I mean, it, it's actually a kind of a. Now that you mention it, it's kind of a weird parallel to Asuka, where mm-hmm. she's like. She doesn't like what she's feeling, so she's going to externalize it and start yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a note um, that I made, that there's a lot of similarity the way that Asuka and mm-hmm. Kaji both find buttons to push and to, mm-hmm. to get a rise out of people. And they, you know, make full take full advantage of that. Yeah, it, Kaji's just like a better, he knows where the buttons are because he's known Masato for years. Right. He's much more adept at pushing them, whereas Asuka's just like, uh, uh, here's one, here's one, here's one. She's playing whack-a-mole with Shinji's buttons, I guess. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. a weird image. Um, <laughs> that is that is definitely a strange, strange phrase. So there was one more thing just before we leave this episode um, that I kind of wanted to, to reflect on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the the scene in bed with Shinji and Asuka mm-hmm. uh, at the end of this episode. It's tough to talk about because it it's so different from like the the dynamic that they've had so far. Mm-hmm. It is probably the most vulnerable that Asuka is at that point. Like she is, I mean, it's the day if I'm not remembering uh, incorrectly, it's the night before mm-hmm. the attack. Yes, that's exactly um, when. Yeah, and she's probably nervous, you know, she, you know, she's fairly confident, but uh, she carries her shit into the next room, um, makes a reference to the Wall of Jericho, which, <laughs> more incidental Christian imagery, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and how does a 14-year-old, I'm not going to get into that, um, but regardless, uh, it basically ends up with her sleepwalking, maybe, um, uh, into the bathroom, and then laying down next to Shinji face-to-face. Uh, and she's asleep and Shinji is just, he's like, she's right in front of me. She's right in front of me. Um, again, as a, as a 14 year old, like I can understand like the hormones, like, Oh God, what do I do? Right. And he leans in to kiss her, which I'm like, Shinji fucking don't, but you know, <laughs> but then she very softly just says mama, uh, and starts crying. Mm hmm. I mean, I think we're going to learn more about that later, like, you know, Asuka's particular family situation, but it immediately turns Shinji off completely. Mm-hmm. And and he's he get he pulls his stuff uh, away from her, goes and sleeps elsewhere, and uh, he says something to the effect of, yeah, you're just as much as a kid as yeah, I am. that's it. Yeah. And, like, part of it was like, okay, finally, Shinji, you understand, like... Like, that bravado is just a front. Like, that's not confidence. You got it. But, like, there could be a connection there. Like, there really could be. You know, Shinji has issues with his mom passing away, you know, and it seems to imply here that Asuka has or had issues with her mom. Mm -hmm. They're both very lonely. Mm -hmm. And in the right circumstances, if they were just a little bit better adjusted, maybe there could be something there. And... Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think that more than just the bravado, I mean, she has been talking, you know, it, it's been a matter of physical maturity. She has been, and yeah. will even more so in the next episode, be flaunting her body. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she is more mature physically, more, um, you know, further along in puberty than a lot of the other girls in the class. 
she has been implying that she is a woman. Um, And so this is the moment that Shinji realizes, oh, for all that she looks like a woman and acts like a woman, uh, she's definitely just a kid at heart. I think Shinji was also looking... Shinji has a thing where he's really looking for role models because he doesn't have very many in his life. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is a peer that could be that, and then he's utterly disillusioned by it. That's a good point, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think that's one of those things that, like, um, we'll find out more about the dynamics that were going on in that scene later on. Mm-hmm. But did seem important enough to note. Yes, for sure. The okay. only other thing I had <laughs> mentioned was the... Um, the scene early on when Asuka first step, you know, is in the apartment and has told mm. Shinji, you know, he's got to move out because she's there now. And yeah. she comments on what is with the Japanese and these doors? How do they have any sense of privacy? I don't get it. Um, mm. And Masato shows up behind her and says very pointedly, that mm. um, it's because the Japanese, us Japanese, try to be perceptive and considerate of others. Yes. Um, and Implying. Implying somebody here <laughs> needs to learn <laughs> a thing or two about that. Um, and then God. late, and, you know, clearly is trying to teach her, hey, now that you're here, you need to try and put in some effort to fit in. You know, she says also yeah. in this next episode we're about to talk about um, that she needs her to try and fit in there now that she's mm-hmm. in japan yeah uh, and she, um, and I, I think she literally says at one point like when in rome do as the romans do yeah and uh and asuka's response is to huff and cross her arms and toss her head and say mm, no <laughs> <laughs> nope 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 not not gonna not gonna play here i am not going to do that we're doing things on my terms so yeah let's talk about episode 10 Sure. So yeah, uh, episode 10, uh, which is uh, Magma Diver, or I guess The Magma yeah, Diver. So same um, title. Yeah, uh, which, I mean, this just sounds like a metal song to me. It does. Um, I mean, yeah, it is kind bit. of a pretty metal episode. I mean, they're, they're deep diving into magma to rescue hmm. a embryonic angel. Yeah, like, their main goal here is to capture one alive. Like, this is like, okay, we can finally go on the offense. And, um, like, Gendo even has a meeting with the Sealy Council, I guess. Yes. Have they been named at this point, actually? Um, I just remember them being called Sealy. I don't think so. Well, spoiler, they're called Sealy. I'm actually not (laughs) sure what that stands for. Um, But, yeah, these these multicolored, like, people who run the world kind of thing. And uh, Gendo's like, yeah, we can finally go and get one. You know, a plan is hatched. Uh, the kids, unfortunately, aren't able to go on their school trip to Okinawa, so they have to go into this volcano Okinawa. to get this. Okinawa. <laughs> As I don't know that reference actually. Oh, it's it's when when Asuka is talking to to Kaji, and he says, "Oh, where are oh, you right. going on your school trip?" And she goes, "Okinawa," <laughs> and she's very excited, she's... and he's like, "Okay." The sing songiness yeah. of it. Yeah, that, actually, that weird opening with Kaji kind of like, you know, he's taking her shopping and she's like very clearly like, uh, what about this swimsuit? And he's like, uh, and he, she's like, oh, you're just old. Like, you know, he's clearly yeah, uncomfortable, it's, it's a very, but he's like, uh, Lolita esque moment. Yes. And, uh, yes. Kind of creepy. Yeah. It, Fortunately, except, uh, he doesn't fall for the bait. <laughs> no, absolutely. He is, he's very much like, He's, nope, nope. He's like, ah, uh, you, okay, whatever. Oh, poor Kaji. 
He does actually have a moment that just kind of passes by, and, and this actually ties into something at the end of the episode where she says something to him, um, uh, like, you know, oh, where did you go on your class mm-hmm, trip? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I didn't get one. And she's like, oh, God, how could you not have one? And Kaji just kind of deadpans. He's like, well, because the second impact had just happened. It immediately just like, you know, all the playfulness is then gone and we're back down to business. Yeah. I, I, I like that as a nice little character moment for Kaji because he's just like, like, he's not reckless. Right. Like, like he, like he's clearly seen some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, like all these people have, really. I don't know more more depth to Kaji's character, and it'll come back with Misato. Yeah, and it also yeah. adds a little bit of context for how old he is, because if Second Impact was about eight years ago, no, it was, uh, 15. oh, fifteen years ago. Okay, yeah. it's been eight years since he's seen Masato and Ritsuko. Uh, yes, okay, so correct. fifteen years, and he was in middle school at the time. So mm-hmm. that would make him in his late 20s. Late 20s, early 30s, yeah. probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I just had a moment. I realized all these people are younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, except Gendo, which is even worse <laughs> to think about. Um, the second impact is something on the level of a like JFK assassination or 9-11 mm-hmm. times a thousand. Right. Think of how those events changed the world and like think of how the second impact probably affected these people. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, it was a cataclysmic event. It didn't it do something like reduce the world's population by half or something. I think it was like a. I thought it was like to a fifth or by a fifth. Well, some very mm. large yeah. percent of the world yeah, cl- just dead. Global catastrophe kind of thing. I mean, we saw a little bit of it, like the sunken cities in the. Um, uh, in episode, uh, was it eight mm-hmm. when they're under the water trying to right. spear that thing? Um, and like, you know, uh, and in the last set of episodes, like, you know, they mentioned that like Antarctica had basically been destroyed mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, clearly some massive global catastrophes going on. Um, well, the fact that the, I mean, going back to the cicadas are always buzzing because there aren't four seasons anymore. Yep. Exactly. It is just hot. It is just endless summer. Yeah, adding to that heat, we end up going to a volcano um, where this where this angel is, and I'm 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 going to be very honest here. Like this episode, uh, with a couple of exceptions, like this is actually for the first time when I since we've done this rewatch, I started checking my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of got distracted because this episode is very. It's it's almost like a monster of the week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just like oh here's another challenge. So think of it almost uh, think of it almost like a Star Trek episode. These three have been like oh a different thing that they have to adapt mm-hmm. to and solve with some starting to get a little formulaic thing. at this point. Absolutely, and and not interesting. Right. Like the characters are what's interesting to me, not necessarily the the tension of like submerging Oscar into a volcano. Which sure, but like. Okay, but this doesn't. This isn't really doing anything. It's not necessarily exciting. It's not necessarily intriguing. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I mean, did you feel? What did you feel about this episode? I guess Broadway. I definitely thought that there was a lot less to talk about in this episode. But while mm. I was analyzing it um, from the perspective of what can I learn about the characters while watching this, um, it definitely mm. builds on what we already know about them. For instance, that Asuka is you know not only proud but extremely vain you know she Mm -hmm, sees her 
uh, Evangelion tricked out in its magma diving gear and yeah. her response is, what have they done to you? Not, exactly. oh, hey, cool, I can dive in the magma now without dying. And same thing with her her plug suit. She puts it on. She's like, oh, it doesn't look any different. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, well, push that button there. And all of a sudden it balloons you know, images yeah. of um, what's her face in Willy Wonka. Uh, uh, that was the exact image I was looking for. Uh, I think it was Violet Yes, Violet Burgard, Burgard, Burgard like yes. Um, she's just this blimp of a mm. girl now, and she is mortified. Um, mm. You know, and Kaji sees her in, you know, she goes out there, and then Kaji's up there, and she runs away, humiliated. She's like, I can't go out like this. And her enthusiasm for being the one to do the mission vanishes like that. She says, mm. Shinji's used to humiliation. Let him do it. Exactly. And all they they have to use Ray <laughs> or Ray yeah. Ray knows she she volunteers she's like oh I'll do it Asuka's like no I'll do it you <laughs> you're not gonna touch my Evangelion unit um, all of a sudden back to that rivalry so I don't know if Ray is just oblivious of how it'll work or if she knows exactly what's going to happen it's great and then in the very last moment Asuka manages to find a way to draw attention to herself and. Mm. mirroring the moment where she says shinji shinji look at this back roll entry <laughs> in entry <sighs> now she says shinji shinji look at this mm. giant strong entry <laughs> and he's like oh, oh my god I, the, the the interplay of her like i want to be the best i want to be like the person that can do anything but oh my god i look gigantic and oh god i need to be stylish and... while i'm doing it exactly it's not just that you do it it's that you look good while doing it I mean, it, it is very Oscar. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not like shaking my head because like it's silly, even though it kind of is hilarious. It's just like it is, it is a very Oscar thing where she's like thinking of ten different things that you know, what what would make her look best in this situation, mm -hmm. and she's got like things warring against each other. Yeah, but yeah, this episode has a lot of random plot devices, like. That Shinji mm. is inexplicably studying by the pool mm. while the girls are swimming. It's not really clear why he needs to do that. It's not even like he's going, he went swimming and now he's studying. He is fully dressed and he's sitting mm. there while they're swimming. Yeah. Is it just that he decided he didn't want to go swimming and he's required to be there? I don't know. That's just a plot. Yeah. As, as far as I can tell, the only reason for him to be there is for Asuka to torment him by thrusting yeah. her chest in his face and then flaunting the fact that she graduated from college and so not yeah. only is she better than all the other girls because of her looks she's better than everyone because she's been to college and she knows the things that poor grade school shinji doesn't understand yet yeah <laughs> i again she is asserting her dominance look at me you know backward entry kind of <laughs> i mean the only thing that scene does like like plot wise is like it introduces the concept that eventually gets them out of the gym of thermal expansion. Right. Because I mean, but like you could do that, at, you know, <laughs> you could do that in Misato's place. You don't have to do that at a pool. I, but there is that distinct moment where like, I mean, it's Asuka on one end of the pool, Ray on the other end of the pool. Uh, and Shinji's just kind of looking back and forth between them. I kind of interpreted it a little bit as like, you know, uh, he's attracted to them both, but he doesn't know why. Mm -hmm. Like, it's this sense of, like, do I have to choose in in a very broad sense? Maybe. Although he's not 
blushing when he looks at Ray. It's more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Maybe then it's not a, a sexual attraction so much it is a an attraction to personality. Right. Like, does he want to be to have the confidence of an Oscar, quote unquote, confidence of an Oscar, or does he want to have the imperturbability of a Ray? Mm-hmm. Like, which appeals more to him at that point? Right. Because currently he has neither. He's in that unhappy place between both, where he's just kind of everything affects him very deeply mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't show it. Right. Yeah, a whole bunch of just stupid plot devices. Fast forward to the end of the episode when mm. you know Ray is presume you know has been cut off, is sinking into the magma, and then all of a sudden there's Shinji rescuing her. How exactly is he at that depth without the protective yeah, be- gear that was starting to crush around cool Asuka? <laughs> yeah. And then Yeah, it is it is very And then why do they mail Pen Pen to the hot springs? <laughs> Other than yeah. to have a hot springs penguin in his native environment. Oh oh don't get me wrong. I love oh, having Pen around more. Oh great. yeah, but like they mail like Kaji <laughs> actually mails him in a package. Uh, and I was just like, all of this just kind of seemed like they had an, at least it seems like they had an idea that they wanted to do. And like, oh, who will just hand wave away everything that like doesn't make sense? We just kind of want it to look cool. Like, even, even Shinji coming to rescue Asuka is the timing on that. How does that work? How did he know? Because yeah. it's going to take time for him to get that far down through the magma. Yeah, like he would have had to have dove before that whole harness right. broke or something yeah, like that. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and it's not even a character moment. It's just kind of there. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the moment that Asuka finally lightens up and mm. for once doesn't criticize Shinji's actions. At least she does, but it's in a more... Smi- it's She's smiling when she does it, which is the first time that that's yeah. ever happened. Um, yeah. So it's a fitting way to close that mini arc with, okay, maybe maybe Asuka can get along with Shinji a little bit from now on. It just seems very out of place. Uh, I mean, this is, again, me. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't really like this episode just because it's like, you could cut this episode and not much would happen. Like, maybe put the little mm-hmm. plot things in other episodes, but, like, it didn't really add much to any right uh, anything else we knew. Um, there is uh, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, which is the matter mm-hmm. of the first human atom. And how it suspiciously strange. looks a lot like a uh, baby angel. So yeah, uh, so in the first episode, uh, Kaji delivers Adam, the the first human, to Gendo, and it's this weird mollusky looking thing. It's I don't a, even know how to describe it. It's a yeah, it's an embryo. It, it, I'm, it, I, my image was like it looks kind of like a shellfish, but um, but maybe that's just me. That's a weird Rorschach test. Um, <laughs> regardless, like, uh, but yeah, this angel that they're trying to recover in this episode looks exactly like it. Like, this is clearly, uh, we talked a little, about it a little bit in a previous episode where angels and humans are a mirror of each other. And the fact that they look so similar, you know, morphologically as an embryo, what does that, you know, even though obviously the angels can look very, very different, like, you know, mm-hmm. giant floating polyhedron or whatever. It's again, that parallel of like, Humans and angels are not all that different. Like, they are adapting. They are doing different things. Like, again, we're seeing further evolution of the angels. Like, they're aquatic in the first episode we watched here. Uh, they they split into two and, like, operate independently. Mm-hmm. Like a hive mind kind of mm-hmm. thing. And uh, we don't learn much about this one. I mean, it dies very quickly. But, you know, it can clearly withstand pretty extreme heat. 
and and live in a environment with no oxygen. Yeah, like almost like those weird like images you see of like the ocean floor in a in a weird kind of way. I mean, I I think clearly there's going to be more to come to this, but like are humans descended from angels or angels descended from humans or vice versa? Plot-wise, like I think there's going to be things to learn. Just as like like we're talking about Shinji, Asuka and Rei kind of conquering the way they feel about themselves, like you know, they're also have to conquer this other external like mirror of themselves in a mm, lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And like, this just kind of makes that more explicit. Um, there was one final scene here and it's just a very, very brief thing at the end of this. And that's the, uh, the, the, the uh, hot springs, uh, the hot springs. Yes. Pen pens. Like I've never seen him happier. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily uh, like there's a little comedic interlude where like Shinji, like throws the body shampoo over and like, like very clearly gets like, turned on by what he's hearing and i'm like okay, okay slow your roll it's the scene where um asuka and misato are sitting on the rocks mm-hmm. and uh they're both completely naked you don't see anything they're all in like profile silhouette but they're actually having a heart-to-heart talk and you can see kind of an outline on misato's like uh like abdomen part of her belly yeah uh she's got like a pretty wicked looking scar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um asuka's very clearly like trying not to look at it, but still look at it. And Masato's like, yeah, it's fine. Like I, I've kind of made peace with it. It happened during the second impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not much else is said about that. Uh, but then Oscar says like, so you know about me, right? Or you know about my past. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and Masato's like, yep, I do. And they don't spell it out, obviously, but like there's a moment there of vulnerability from Oscar. Maybe she can open up. Maybe she can kind of understand that, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have much faith that she will learn that lesson, but um, there, there is there. But it also does tell you that Misato deeply cares for these kids and is willing to be vulnerable to them to have them be vulnerable to her. Mm-hmm. Um, Shinji, like we've already seen that with her, um, and now Asuka as well. And Misato, for all her bad habits, is like a very kind of weird surrogate mother figure in all of this. Right. It was, I mean, it, it shows a little bit that... Asuka at least trusts one person enough yeah. to, and they clearly have history together. Um, yeah. you know, from the very first episode in this arc that we're talking about, episode eight, um, mm-hmm. you know, they say it's been a long time. One of them says, Hey, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Yeah, absolutely. There is definitely history there. And like, thank God that Asuka has something like that in this place, which is, she's also out of her depth pretty heavily here. Maybe there will be a moment there, although I'm not. Again, I'm I'm not going to bet on it too much. These are, this is a story about very broken people. Right. So, so yeah. Uh, so that's all those episodes. Um, I guess what uh, we talked about it a little bit, but like, what was your like kind of takeaway from all this? I definitely didn't think that the episodes were as. I think I think you mentioned something about you felt that they were less engaging. I thought I I found mm-hmm. them to actually still be very engaging because we saw two new personalities, two very big personalities mm-hmm. that kind of threw a wrench in everything else. Uh, I remember yeah. when I first watched these, I kind of resented you know back eighteen years ago or whatever. I resented Asuka mm-hmm. for really disturbing the peace. Um, you know yeah. they had started to build a uh, routine and mm-hmm. i didn't like that asuka made everything chaotic and brought in this really negative energy when everything had started 
it seemed like it started kind of forming an equilibrium with the team. Uh, yeah. This time around, much less so that I was much more entertained by the chaos that she brought. I think if it was just an Asuka show, I would have turned off <laughs> the television. Uh, yeah. But her, in contrast to everyone else, uh, was very interesting. It was interesting thinking about all those different dynamics. And Kaji as well. Trying to figure him out and figure out what is he doing here actually. Um, and clearly yeah. there's no way of knowing. It has something to do with Gendo um, and some ulterior motives. Yeah, it was interesting. I liked watching the interpersonal relationships develop a little bit more with their introduction. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I guess for me, it's like my part of my resentment at Asuka that I think you, you mentioned feeling uh, when you first watched it. These are good people mm -hmm. like these are th deep down like they're they're broken but like you want to see them succeed and they seem like they're almost right at the point of that and then here comes asuka to just basically up and tip over the table like yeah yeah it's like uh, we have to start all over now yeah exactly i mean but i but your point is valid that's like you know this is also about like those personalities bouncing off each other and like it would kind of get boring if we get you know shinji as you know mopey mcgee and ray as uh, just kind of uh, quiet girl and Masato and like we need more energy in here and mm -hmm. Asuka is definitely that uh, Kaji also to a degree although a darker more sinister energy well there's a little bit a right of sinisterness to him especially when he's meeting with Gendo pretty much anybody Gendo talks to I uh that's what I was thinking yeah I distrust yeah I, I was thinking like is, is Kaji actually sinister or is he just kind of like osmosing it from Gendo I mean <laughs> maybe both yeah, a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, so what were your favorite yeah. scenes in these three episodes? I mean, it, it's hard because a lot of these, uh, I mean, my overall view of these is that, like, if for all the points that we've made and for all the points we talked about, these just seem very slow to me. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously we had Asuka coming in and, like, for me, at least she wears out her welcome very quickly. Um, and, like, the third episode is like, okay, there's no new wrinkle on this. It's mm -hmm. not that she's... Like the first one is meeting Asuka. The second one is Asuka and how she interacts with everyone else at, back at Nerve HQ and in Japan and in school and all that kind of stuff. And this third one's just like, uh, 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 okay, nothing's <laughs> new here. Um, I was, I was kind of like straining to find a, a, a scene that I really liked. Mm. There's, I mean, there's moments I like, but they're, they're totally dissonant. Like, you know, the reveal of Eva O2 was great. Right. Uh, a lot of the imagery in that first fight is like, you know, evoking old World War II uh, war footage. Mm -hmm. And as much as character moments, there's really only one that kind of stood out to me. And it was the um, it was in the second episode. We have just been getting a constant stream of Asuka, like deflecting, externalizing for a long period of time now. And it's when they're in the convenience store mm -hmm. and she uh, she kind of almost to herself says uh, says the line I pilot the Yeva because um, that's what I do mm -hmm. or, or it is the first honest thing I think she's said and it and it's not really remarked upon that was the moment where like, like I think that she had just been so thrown for a loop by Ray completely effortlessly up upboating her and upboating her showing up showing her mm -hmm. up I don't know it, and it was a very quiet moment and then it immediately transitions into her and Shinji on that, that park bench thing and her just kind of standing on it and like preaching about like how great <laughs> she is again. And I'm just like, okay, we, we sort of had it, but not anymore. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, for me it was that, I mean, that was kind of the main thing. 
what are you looking forward to, I guess, more uh, uh, as we get into the next uh, couple episodes? We didn't get to talk about my favorite parts. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, April, what were, uh, April, what were your favorite parts of that? My favorite parts? I still really, really just like that synchronized battle um, set yeah. to the music. No sound effects, just the music, the timer in the bottom to show that they're doing it in 62 seconds like they said they would. I just think that scene is so beautiful. It is, it is very choreographed and, and it's balletic. it's just cool. It's so badass. Yeah. <laughs> they just they destroy that angel. Um, mm. Even though in the very end, apparently they fall off the beat and end up in a tangled pile of broken Evangelion units. Yeah. That moment has been one that stuck with me all this time. Um, mm. So it was it was cool to see it again, and I did see it. Uh, I think. Earlier this year, I watched some of these episodes, so um, mm. it was still fresh in my mind. But there's that one, and then that the moment that I mentioned earlier, the funny one of, you know, I just watch out, there's a mean old lady watching us. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the idea of those guys finally letting their hair down a little bit was very, very, like... Yeah, because it seems like it's serious. a, wait a minute, what is Kaji doing right now? He was just flirting was he was that right after he was making out with Masato or before I think it was right before okay well he's yeah. there he's been flirting with Masato and now he's flirting what's going on and then you realize oh wait no he's he's just poking at the bear it's fine and yeah. Ritsuko is just playing along with it because she wants she wants her friend to be happy I think I mean, she definitely has Masato's best interest at heart. Um, like, I, I think these three definitely do care for each other in their own ways, certainly. Yeah, so that that was just kind of a fun, like, friendship moment mm. that kind of took some of the glumness out of direness. I not glumness, but direness of this entire situation yeah. they find themselves in. It's actually interesting. I just kind of thought about this, but, like, it's two girls and a guy, much like Asuka, Rei, and Shinji. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ritsuko, Misato, and Kaji, they could have been like this, maybe. Obviously, they're very different personalities and all that. Right. But you see how that dynamic could work. That's true. Um, so, anyways, I interrupted because I, I just wanted to uh, to share nope, my, my moment. I, uh, <laughs> sorry, my bad. So what are you looking forward to going forward, then? Um, I guess more of just that character development, honestly. And Obviously, I want to know more plot-wise. I want to know, you know, what is Kaji really doing here? What are his actual yeah. motives? Who the heck was that woman in the gondola with the dog? <laughs> she, that was the strangest that, scene. He, she just appeared out of nowhere. You know, what is the past exactly between Kaji and Masato and Ritsuko? What is there to know about Asuka's past that she is ashamed of or doesn't want people to know about that's actually kind of what i'm looking forward to as well like what it like because they introduce a lot of uh new plot threads here that like they they invite questions but you don't know if you're gonna get answers right for. and that is the intriguing thing i think like oscar's past is alluded to kaji and masada's past is alluded to so like what is actually going on it's almost like these three episodes are another set of introductory episodes much like the first four episodes were mm-hmm. they introduce the characters whereas these kind of introduce the the plot or, or a deeper level of the plot i guess mm-hmm. i should say and introduce two of the new important characters yeah these definitely like the dynamics are definitely getting a little bit more uh, you have more things being added to the stew so to speak 
Uh, now we're going to see, like, let's completely butcher this analogy. The uh, <laughs> more things being added to the stew, so let's just see what's actually cooking this, uh, where the flames are. That was a bad analogy. That was terrible. Yeah, I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued to see what's going to be going on further. Um, I mean, we're going to enter uh, the next couple episodes are still going to be a, a, kind of the same uh, what we saw here, the more lighter. Um, traditionally uh, action-y stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I hope they dig in a little bit deeper into some of those those plot elements that are kind of hanging around. Yeah, and they acknowledge that too. I don't know if you started watching the previews at the end yet, but um, they even <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> they even end it with them saying, "Stay tuned for more fan service next episode," oh, uh, which they had stopped doing for a while mm. um so it's interesting you know it's clearly this is intentional on the part of the director and is it simply to keep people interested is it to intentionally make some you know remarks you know, subvert the tropes combination of the two i don't know it would be yeah, really I interesting mean, to read some commentary on the making of evangelion yeah, I mean, I, I've I've read a little bit um, just in the lead up to this whole mm-hmm. thing, and it, not in any specific level of depth. But like uh, you pointed out um, uh, before we started recording this, you pointed out a link in the notes about the nature of Pen Pen and and like is he a mascot character or something like that? And like looking at it in a vacuum, it like you can see certain elements of this show were made to be marketable, right. like be made into toys like you know pen pen is a mascot or at least as far as we know now he could be the key to the whole damn thing <laughs> wouldn't that be but something like, that's a i wouldn't say a better show but i would watch that show, show. <laughs> yeah i'd watch in a heartbeat I, i'm reminded of the old like uh, uh saturday morning cartoons here in the states where it's like you know he-man was uh, created explicitly to make toys mm-hmm. like they made the toys first and then the show came from it um, whereas Evangelion is like clearly there's there's a there's a mind at work here and there's something that they want to say right. but there's definitely elements intruding of you know don't these Evangelions look cool it, wouldn't it be cool to have a stuffed pen pen yes it would um, like there are those elements to it it's a bit dissonant but I think it's probably at least part of it so yeah um, so I think that's actually going to be it for uh, this episode. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about episodes uh, 11 through 13, uh, which should close out the action arc um, and the first half of uh, the Genesis Evangelion. Yeah, we'll be going through those next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can email the podcast at evangelagain at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at evangelagain. Uh, April, uh, where can people find you? You can find me, as always, on Twitter and Instagram at alcowett. And uh, you can find me at uh, uh, at Galenblade, uh, G-A-L-E-N-B-L-A-D-E, uh, on Twitter. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you'd like to help out the podcast, you can leave us a review on your uh, podcast service of choice. Uh, it really does help other people discover the show. Uh, you can also uh, recommend us to your friends if you're so inclined. Uh, our next podcast will be up next Wednesday, uh, July 24th. But until then, uh, we will see you next time.
Alrighty, we're gonna start in three, two. Hello, everyone. Okay, let's try it again. <laughs> it's been a day. Um, 